Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Amanda Uprichard, president and CEO of her namesake brand. I wanted to ask Amanda about the evolution of her company since she started it in her Queens, New York basement and the impact that dressing the Bachelor contestants has had on the brand's bottom line. That's next. Welcome to the Glossy Podcast. Excited to be here. Your first podcast. My first podcast. Lucky us. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) we'll throw you into the mix. But talk to me. So you are a New York-based fashion company. New York-based. We make half of our stuff here. Or or now we make maybe 90% of our stuff here because of the virus. Yes. We were just talking top of mind coronavirus. Talk to me about how that's affecting your business. Well... It's making a lot of extra work because for it, so fortunately we already did make a lot of stuff here. So we were able to pull a lot of the fabric from China here and make this stuff here. Oh, great. And when did you do that? Like, when did you, well, when you first I, saw a warning sign? February 10th. Okay. Or even every day, honestly, is a new scenario. And, you know, our, our retailers have been reaching out, asking the schedules for the next few months. Anyone that's in manufacturing, you're just affected by the supply chain. Fabric, zippers, trimmings. It's been a little crazy, honestly. Oh, my gosh. So were you doing 50% manufacturing? Well, here on 38th Street and then 50% in China. Like When I started this business, we were 100% New York City. In fact, like 100% Brooklyn. And then we pretty much stayed all pretty much New York City manufactured until about a year and a half ago when we started switching to China because the resources are drying up here. Yeah, I don't want to. I love making stuff here. I love going to the factories, the cutting rooms. I love the sewers, the cutters. You know, I, I love making things, right? But it's just drying up. Yeah, talk to me about what resources in particular. It's it's, it's crazy. If, if people just knew, I'm always saying, right, we should have a reality show, our office, because we make things here, right? Like, for instance, smocking which is very big right now uh, on clothing, you know, smocking, it's on your, your cuff, it's on your collar, it's on your waist. That's all those little rows of elastic. Oh, okay. Right? I was like, explain to me. There's smocking. only, right, like smocking, it's like all, you might have a cuff this big and there's all these little rows of elastic, right? Totally. There's, there's only three smockers left in New York City. So I would say 15 years ago, there was probably... Five buildings with 20 floors that had three smockers on every floor. So it wasn't a problem. Now there's three smockers here, only three. And we have a, we use one of them like all the time as much as we can get him. But the problem with him is that he has a drug problem. (laughs) So, you know, we always joke, like, don't pay him on Friday because if we pay him on Friday, he's not going to come in until Wednesday. I mean, this is the reality of making clothes in New York City. There are two other smockers, but they're extremely expensive. They're more sample prices. You can't, you know, make a garment at, and, and wholesale it. So They know the power. There's only two of us. Charge what we want. So that's why I started going to China. And all the smockers are... The smockers, the button <laughs> dyers, 
everything. I, I just started going to China myself, actually, a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, I'm kind of late getting into the whole China thing. <laughs> and it's, you know, as like a kid in a candy shop, the streets are lined with fabric and ribbon and lace. And, you know, I just went crazy because that all used to be here, but it's not here anymore. I mean, well, coronavirus, uh, let's discount that. But if, if this was not all going down and we didn't see uh, the difficulty there, would you want to move more than 50 percent uh, to China? just seeing the ease of it all and the resources available? No, I will always keep a large part here because one of the great assets of that is that we can react very quickly to what's happening in the marketplace. So if you have someone, you know, like uh, Revolve or Rent the Runway or one of our larger clients, you know, they're all online. So things happen very quickly. They get their selling quickly. We know the selling really quickly. They can call us up and say, oh, this, you know, we sold out of this in one day. How quickly can we get more? And I, I can get the more in, a, you know, two or three weeks if I have awesome. the fabric. You can't do that in China so easily. Definitely. It's much more difficult. So I'll never let that go. But there's like, it's just gotten to the point where we won't do any smock styles here. <laughs> You because know, it's just it's so crazy. Smocking experts. Talk to me about what's going to happen if uh, this continues on. Uh, coronavirus, it, I mean, I don't see a slowdown. I'm not sure what where, where we're going here. But, like, if this goes on for another month, what does that mean for your business? I guess, like, as it stands. You brought well, the fabric in. You we have will, a good supply. Yeah, we'll be okay. Well, we all, you know, we had another glitch, too, because some of the fabric comes from China. Even if I manufacture locally, all the parts still come from China or Korea. So we get some of our higher-end fabrics from Korea, and we had to push out some of our delivery because Korea got the virus. Yep. And the, the Dengu, I think it's called. I can't remember. Something like that. That's like the big fabric mill town there. And so we had the fabric was delayed from Korea. So it wasn't strictly a China problem, you know. that, And so that's how me and anybody else in the garment business is dealing with these issues. Yes. And to I... To maintain your quality and you're not going to kind of switch to a different fabric. You're, you're going to no, wait for that. No, no. You couldn't even do that now anyways because things are just, you know, really all the factories are not up and running overseas. They're, they're not completely at 100% yet. But, but I do believe China will be completely normal in another month. Okay, good. Fingers crossed. Which is, yeah, that's good. Not done what? Good for them. I hope we're okay, too. Absolutely. Well, let's switch back. So you've been at, going at it 10 years. Am I, am I accurate? Well, I've had this brand since 2008, yes. Okay, great. Founded in Queens. Yes, in your basement. Ridgewood, Queens. <laughs> Do you have the traditional path, I guess, uh, career path in terms of a, a fashion designer, a fashion founder, uh, Parsons, you have your first, I, I don't know, uh, partner, wholesale partner, maybe like a Barneys or a big traditional retailer, or talk about your path. Um, no, I'm a little more DIY, underground art type person, dropped out of Parsons, and just started making clothes and selling them to... Patricia Field. Patricia Field. Blast a big mentor path. for me, yeah. Um, and I just started my craft. Got it. What did it take to kind of get off the ground? Were you, do- you were doing that full time. Mm-hmm. That's I all I did. I've never worked for anyone. Yes. Was she putting your clothes on 
celebs? Um, <laughs> I know. Yes, you know. I mean, well, she had the store before the whole Sex in the City thing, and I would imagine there were celebrities around. Totally. Well, different world back then. Different world. What were you doing? When did you kind of decide, I need to hire employees, I need to move into <laughs> well I had employees then that kind of grew that yeah. was one trajectory and it just grew and then it didn't grow and I lost it that particular business and was it under your name also no it was called living doll okay living doll and it was uh dresses was it a yeah, similar dresses, aesthetic similar but a little more kind of edgy kind of underground I don't just a little more edgy yeah just kind of a little bit different yep um so I lost that business just kind of because I didn't know what I was doing after whatever 10 years and um because I'm self-taught yep and then I became a mom for four years that's all I did was just be a mom and then I started this business again at home so that I could be with my daughter Oh my gosh. So what's the first, when you decide, I want to go back into business, yeah. what's the first step? I just started, I still had relationships with the factories, so I got some small lots made, and I still knew people that had stores. I started very small, just small boutiques. My friend had a store in Nolita, and I just, you know, kind of started there, and it just mushroomed. Great. What were you doing for marketing at the time? Because, again, a different world. It 2008, right? That that is seems so far away, but not really. But we all know 2007 is when the iPhone started. When did Instagram start? I mean, right around there. Right. Yeah. So, but it the world was a different place then, right? We I didn't do any marketing, just word of mouth stores. You know, selling. You know, it's it's all really it's all about selling. You know, the product was good and it sold. Yes. And wholesale partners are were everything. Is that has that evolved right now? Are you trying to move to more uh, e-commerce sales, uh, your own stores? Absolutely. The, yes. The world is changing, and I am one of many, many people who founded their business on the wholesale manufacturing model, where you're, the stores were the partners, and you grew your business by, you know, Bloomingdale's, Neiman Marcus, and that there's many of us that are now figuring out how to transition from that model into a more branded digital model. And it's challenging. It's not easy. Yes. Have the um, closures affected your business, maybe some of the department stores downsizing or uh, closing altogether? Um, No. Fortunately, I'm just doing great. We haven't been affected at all. Or if we were affected, then we came up with another plan. You know, our sales have been increasing every year, regardless of the department store fallout. Um, We've replaced them with digital partners. All all of our top five accounts are all digital. Oh, got it. So Revolve, Shopbop? Shopbop. Who else have you got? Rent the Runway. Rent the Runway. I hear that's a huge partner in terms of just buying product a wholesale partner huge i mean and i i love their business i think it's one of the most sophisticated websites out there the way that that it's interactive and people put the pictures up there i mean you could just it's entertainment you know yes i love what those girls are doing i think that they 
they're getting a lot of competition now, but I I think they'll be okay because they've been around for a while. They've already like been down in the valley, like they've had you know challenges and issues, and they've come back up. So I think I think they're a great business. Yes, I hear that they are very uh, forthcoming. They they offer up a lot of data. Um, are you learning about your customer through Rent the Runway? Yo, we get very sophisticated data from them. Very very sophisticated. I mean, it's what do they tell you? Well, you know, age. Um, you know what she likes to buy when the the garment data the colors the the fit nice. zippers no zipper you know they they have statistics for all of that yes. very detailed statistics. and how would that compare to like a shop bop or a bloomingdale's in terms of the info they're giving you well, every company is different. Some people don't like to share as much information. Shop, Rent the Runway shares a lot of information. Department stores, because they're from a different business model that's about a century old, I they don't share that kind of information with us anyways. I don't, you know, they're just different. I think the department stores, their e-com is maybe a little behind in some of these newer companies. Yep. It's very difficult to change a hundred-year-old business like that. Right. But as you've seen the transformation in your own business and you've been working with them for 10 years, have you noticed um, any, I guess, effort to evolve on their part, whether it's um, maybe they're giving you more access to store associates or maybe they are being more uh, lenient in terms of you don't have to do a seasonal collection or you don't have to have seasonal drops? They're trying. I think that they, because of the nature of their business, it's so brick and mortar. They have so many stores and because it takes an enormous amount of uh, financial and structural ability to grow a big website, I don't know. I don't know what they're what they have, but they're just so brick and mortar. Like you, it's just apples and oranges when you compare them to a Revolve or a Shop Up. They're completely different businesses, and I think they're struggling with keeping their stores afloat. Yes, I'm sure. Yeah. Do you so, know? Do you know what um, percentage of percentage of your sales, even through wholesale partners, are happening online versus in store? I never analyze that because you know it might be fifty fifty because we also have an extremely strong specialty store business, boutique business. Yes. At the same time that e-com is very big, I think this is also a great time for specialty brick and mortar. Now I don't see it so much in New York City, but when you go out of town to to the Carolinas or Texas or Connecticut, there's a lot of women and, you know, a lot of them are, are, are mothers or whatever, and they have these small boutiques and they're really um, a meeting place. You know, they're, they're like a very important part of the community. Yes. And we, we sell to about 300 of them every month. Awesome. And, and I think that that is a good thing that's happening right now. It's kind of a... Not a backlash, but it's like something that's needed along with the e-com, right? People still want to have somewhere to go. They want to chat about their family. They want like personal service. Can you get it for me in that color? I think that's still important. Yeah, I know all about this kind of boutique community. I'm from um, St. Louis. We had like oh Ledoux. yes, of course, that yes, was very much a boutique hub. Yes, um, and I was seeing it. Are you doing? Are you? Do you have a lot of FaceTime with those customers? Are you doing trunk shows there? How are you connecting we, with that customer? 
You know, I don't actually, and I would I would like to. Like, we try to, you know, through social media, we we try to connect with them. I there's so many of them. I sometimes I'll reach out to them on the phone. I'll thank them, you know, for something or. Um, I'm like really appreciative of all of their business and their support. And um, yeah, I think it's a good time for that. I don't see it in New York City, though. I, I don't know why there's not a boutique. Like it's just kind of not here. Yeah. I don't know if it's the rents or I don't know. It seems to be more out of the big cities. Agree. Yeah. I don't see it either. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. What do you know about your customer? So where is she in the country? How old is she? She likes bold clothes. Oh, we know everything. You know, well, we know a lot about her. She's like 25 to 32. Very girly girl. Like you are a perfect customer. (laughs) Very girly girl. She loves pink. She probably entertains a lot. She has some college education which or she could be a, a professional we have many professional women that are customers we have many women that they love their family they love their children they love to travel they love to wear clothes nice they love, they, i think our girl likes to wear high heels i don't know if that's good or bad but um she likes to dress up for sure totally so you're getting uh, data from Run the Runway. I'm sure yes. uh, they're giving you as much feedback as they can. Where else are you getting uh, customer feedback? What are they telling you? Social media. We we get a lot of DMs. I know all the time people, they really like something or can we post their picture? We, we get a lot of comments on social media. When we put a post up, where can I buy this? I mean, it's the, the usual comments, but it it helps with sales. It translates into sales. Um, I'm deeply appreciative of anyone that comments on a post that we do because they took the time out to do it. So we always answer them. You know, I, I think it's all about service, you know, for our customers, helping them get what they want. Are you actively uh, reaching out for feedback? I do personally. Yes. Sometimes I go on the, the, when I have time, I, I actively, you know, late at night will make comments Yes. I'll reach out myself. Yeah. I love to know what the people think or, you know, what they say or what color do they like. Like a lot of times on social media, we'll have, you know, should we do it in pink or blue? And we literally follow. We, you know, we do it. Oh, know? that's interesting. Yeah. A couple of like times when we couldn't decide what color to do something or should we do it, you know, with the pedal skirt frown or without it, we'll, you know, do a little contest on social media. It's so instant, the answers. Totally. I mean, after doing this for 10 years, to what extent would you say your your designs, your collections are kind of driven by data versus, I don't know, creative or... 50-50. Yep. Because I always say you can't data inspiration. Like, you can't data magic. You can't data magic. You Write can't. It down. Right? <laughs> I mean, you can't. True story. And you are still designing you're still sketching you totally based on that data you're going to town yeah no i i'm we're very organic in that way i'm extremely involved at the really i'm a creative before anything else so i mean i have my two girls here with me right now they will like we'll make something up and then we'll be like maddie can you try it on for us and and the, I love all the girls in my office. They're so amazing. I have a great team of people. And um, I wouldn't say it's like a collaborative design process, but they're, 
opinion is important to me and I'll ask them their opinion. I'll, you know, and I have post-its everywhere. I'm constantly sketching and constantly drawing things. And Nice. As you yeah. evolve with the times and mm-hmm. you're trying things on your staff, mm-hmm. uh, I notice on your site where you look at the, the size chart, it says mm-hmm. zero to 12. Is that kind of standard and is that how it always has been? Is there other plans to uh, move to extended sizing or plus sizing? Is that a demand? Well, I would like to, and we have. We've done it for some of our partners. We've done it for Rent the Runway. We've done it for Shopbop. We've done maybe a little bit for Bloomingdale's. I can't remember. I personally, all the women in my family, they're all, you know, my cousins, all my relatives, they're all 12 to 16 yeah. or, or larger. We did try that a year and a half ago for our spring collection. We picked a handful of styles and we decided that we were going to add the extra sizes and it just didn't, nobody bought it. And I, I was a little bummed by it, you know? Yeah. And, but I, I, we made whatever we could anyway. I mean, really like hardly anyone bought it. Everyone loved the idea. They were really behind it, but it actually, and these were specialty stores. I don't know why it didn't really work. I think it's something that we will do on the website. Yeah. We'll just do a small capsule of basics, you know, that people might like because I think a lot of I myself, uh, you know, I'm a 12. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I've always been like a tall, bigger person. Yeah. You know, so I think we'll try it again. Great. Was it a large investment to, to well, go beyond the 12? It's, it is a very large investment and maybe people don't understand that because it is a large investment. You, the, you have to get the fit model. It's just not quite that simple. Right. You know, it's just, and especially if you're a small business, um, it's just not quite that simple. Totally. Do you think that, uh, did you put marketing behind that to say, you know, now available till 16? <laughs> well, w- we didn't. We first we launched it at market with all of our stores. And I guess we figured it would take off there. You know, we marketed it to them, we marketed yes. it to our wholesale partners. That's why I'm, I think if we launch it online, because our online presence, our branded online presence is just doing so great. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. These girls are doing a great job. And it's just really starting to take off. Great. Why why is it taking off? What are you doing for marketing? How are you driving to the website? Are you doing emails? Yes, we do emails <laughs> and ads, right? We but, It's all in-house, though. We do it all in-house, and we do emails, we do ads, social media. I mean, we know that 90% of our e-com traffic comes from Instagram, so obviously nice. Instagram is a huge platform. Yep. Stories is a huge platform. Um, and you're putting money behind those posts. Yes, we are. Nice. Yes, it's... Um, Again, starting from brick and mortar and then, tr- you know, getting your digital stamp, yep. branded digital stamp. Because, you know, we, we've had to find our voice because before we primarily sold just to other department stores or specialty stores and they sold the product for us. When you have your own website, you really have to hone in what your brand is, yep. who your girl is, what kind of voice you have and I think it's taken us a little while to find that it's not cheap it costs money 
And, you know, like in the beginning, I hired a lot of outside people to help me do it, and it just wasn't happening. So I decided to bring it all in-house and to hire the staff because we're so organic in the office and we all play off each other. I thought it was really important to have it all in-house. Definitely. How large is your team? Just 20 people. Great. And we're a small company. And how many people are doing content and marketing? Two. Great. So they're doing well, and then sales. The the director of sales is involved. We have weekly marketing meetings, and you know we're planned out now till I think like June or July. Got it. Yeah, we're. It's all really exciting. Where it's you know I have that like ding on my phone when we. It's just so exciting to hear those dings going off all day long. Wait, what's the ding when you get it's a, a sale? Oh, yeah, got it's it. like really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> That is exciting. Yeah, it's just really exciting. We're just very, you know, homegrown and DIY here. Um, yes. Well, ideally, how what percentage of your sales would be through your own website? Ideally, I'd love it to be at least 50%. Yep. And what is it I now? think that's totally attainable. We don't, I don't know, maybe 10. Yep. Honestly, the website is just finally finding its voice. Yes. We've just started increasing our ad spend. I knew that I had to create the foundation of the people running the website, finding the right people. Like I, I had to get just the core foundation correct before I could start like throwing tons of dollars into ad spend or I would just be wasting my money. So now we have our foundation really good. We have our marketing foundation good and we're starting to increase the ad spend and it's just crazy. I mean, it's just crazy what can happen. How have your it's retail, so exciting. It is exciting. How have your retail partners responded? Are they demanding maybe more exclusives through their own channels? Yes. Well, I don't think they feel the threat from our website so much, but certainly everyone is feeling the threat from everyone's website. So people do like exclusives. We do a lot of exclusive product for Shopbop, for Revolve, for Bloomingdale's. Um, any any of our larger partners, Rent the Runway, do, we do exclusives for because in this day and age, there's so many people out there. It's so crowded. People want to have special items, which makes me happy because I have so many things I want to make. So, like, <laughs> no problem there. Perfect. Earlier you mentioned going to market. Is that, are you still going to market? Is that still, you know, business as usual or ha has that model evolved? It is still business as usual, yes, because yeah. we, again, we we are founded on the wholesale model, uh, even though our top vendors are online vendors, they still have to come to market. Like, they have to come see what we have to sell to them. Like, a, you know, rent the, the majors still have to come to rent the runway and all the other big retailers and all the specialty stores. So that hasn't hasn't changed. For us, anyway, for me, it hasn't changed. Um, and, yeah, I don't... No one's really complained about the website yet. We're very careful. I'm, I'm very appreciative of the specialty store business, so I'm very careful not to, for instance, mark down stuff on my website if I know they have it full price. You have to be very careful about these things. Yes. Yeah. What's your take on sales? Is that Sales? Yeah. I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like them. Um, well, I like... I like to shop a sale, but I don't like to get our website in a constant sale mode. I don't think anyone likes to do that. We we do them uh, carefully, very carefully, because I have to watch, you know, I have to be careful of all of our other partners. 
Yeah. So if Bloomingdale's has a great sale, friends and family. And oh, everything forget it. Up. Well, that's just a whole other just nightmare that you can't keep up with. I mean, you. Do you just kind of go along with it for now? Roll yeah, with there's the nothing you can do about all that friends and family. Saks has it too. I think Bloomingdale's has more than anyone, but you kind of can't just pay, you can't pay attention to that. Yeah. Do you price match on Honest, your site? Don't price match. No, we don't. And honestly, Bloomingdale's is not one of our top five online resources right now. Yes. So no big deal. Yeah. Not, not really that much of a problem. Got it. Talk about growth. You mentioned steady, steady growth. I know that uh, for a lot of brands, the key, the the clincher in terms of going to the next level is either launching a new category or um, funding usually comes into the mix. And um, what's been your approach to funding so far? Fundraising? None. All self-funded. Amazing. And I will probably stay that way. I've been funding. We have shown some nice profit the past couple of years. So I've been able to put that into e-com. Um, awesome. So I don't plan on doing any of that. Unless I have to, maybe. I, you know, I'm sure I could get funding if I need it. Yep. And you've been pretty true to uh, your collection, your categories. Was Bridal a launch at some point? We tried Bridal. That was a great idea. It just didn't really work. Yeah. Um, what I found with the bridal market is that because we were focusing not so much on the bride outfit but more bridesmaids and people don't really it's more of a special it's not something they're gonna gonna go buy off the rack we did have it on the website for a while but honestly the the return on that it just wasn't really worth the effort we had to put into it yeah that makes sense now swim we're launching swim thursday and we're ex- really excited about it i've been wanting to do it for a while it was it took a while to lay the foundation to to get it done but it it's launching on thursday hey early march yeah that's exciting now we talk a lot about the swimwear market uh a lot of these new direct-to-consumer players it's crowded it's Uh, very (laughs) crowded you're braving it what's your differentiator why go there well why not i mean i've never been one to be afraid of like just because this and that and yes it's really crowded uh will it be um, successful from today, or I don't know. It, it might not sell that well for a year. That's okay. I'm prepared to just stick with it. I think that our customer loves swim. Our we, most of our customers, we have a heavy Southern Texas concentration. We'll just keep sticking with it until we get it right. Great. What's the launch plan for a new collection, a new category? social media, Instagram. Yep. You know, we went to Miami. We rented this fabulous house in Palm Beach. And like, you know, I love traveling with the team. You know, I love going on those trips and taking all these great pictures and stuff and got these great models and uh, just, you know, had fun and took pictures. And Amazing. So, so these we'll are, see what happens. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah, I'm, re- I'm really excited. We're already, you know, we've got the, you know, we're planned out through the rest of the year with product. Awesome. So we'll just keep at it. We're doing it primarily online first, you know, to work out the kinks. We have a couple of stores that have hopped on, but primarily right now we're going to do it online first for the first nine months. Got it. These were traditional models, maybe a traditional photo shoot, like a lookbook type of a shoot. Mm-hmm. Are you working with influencers? 
Of course, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. What's your influencer uh, strategy? Are they, are you are they paid? Are you gifting? Is it a combination? I think a combination of both. Yeah, a combination of both. We we like the more micro influencers. We don't really do the large influencers. We we have been extremely lucky to get some placement on some of the great larger influencers for free. That was like really nice that that happened. Um, we love our influencers. They're very important in this day and age. You have to have influencers. Are they driving sales? They drive sales. Yeah, they drive customers. Uh, we try to find ones that are authentic to the brand, you know, that they like the product anyways. Yep. You know, again, I think that we try to be pretty organic with all of our approach, you know. Yes. So influencers are working to attract new customers. What else is working in terms of customer acquisition, gaining new customers, and how loyal is your You mean customer? digital customers for the branded website? Exactly, yeah. I think the ad spend. To- yep. I think I, uh, because I don't have a digital background, I think I underestimated the power of ad spend. Like I just said to the girls in the lobby, it's new language, but it's basically advertising. Yep. Advertising, it's like instead of in a print magazine, it's digital. Totally. And... I think it took a while for me to grasp onto that concept. It's not cheap. And so, again, I, you know, I've been building my foundation. I didn't want to waste all of that money until I was sure that I had a really good team and a really good foundation. Now I've got that, and we've been increasing it in small increments every month, and I'm honestly just blown away. (laughs) I just can't believe the difference. I really am. It's... Just really amazing. But again, would it have been amazing if I didn't have the other components together? You know, mm-hmm. if the the site wasn't working properly, or um, you know, the the pictures were not good, or you know, there, all those components have to come together. I think yes to provide a like a whole experience. Totally, or you'll be wasting your money. You could blow through money so quick. Where's that digital spend? Facebook, Instagram, Google search? What's going on? Google search, Facebook ads, and Instagram ads. The usual. The usual. I mean, (laughs) is there something new out there? Tell me. I want to know about it. (laughs) I mean, it seems to be working. Any plans to open your own stores? It's in the back of my mind. I I love the idea, but I want to be careful because it, it is a tricky time for stores. You know, opening ceremony just closed. And that's very upsetting to me. Um, Were they a partner? No, no. But I, I just, just love them. I love. Them. I do too. Yep. You know, my daughter worked there. It, it's a place for all the young creatives to go, and I just honestly don't know where they're all going to go now. But. Uh, I think that I right now, I don't see maybe a pop-up. We were just talking about having a pop-up in the Hamptons this summer. We have a lot of customers Ooh. out there. I think that would be more uh, a more careful way to go about it, you know, totally. right now. Like, because stores are just tricky right now. Yes. You mentioned maybe a plus size or extended sizing on your, on your site, maybe uh, through some basics. Uh, Danny on my team today is actually working on a story on... Brands that are using maybe Amazon to kind of, um, as customer acquisition, where they're putting the basics on Amazon and maybe driving to the site for the more spectacular pieces. I know you're on Amazon. Is that a strategy or what are you doing there? Well, honestly, the product that we have on Amazon, we are we actually are not working with Amazon now. We oh. walked away from Amazon two years ago. 
It wasn't profitable. They changed some of their strategies, and we just decided to walk away from them. I am entertaining going back onto Amazon because, you know, Amazon, they got rid of their buyers, and it's very complex. The whole Amazon, being on Amazon, it's very complex. I, my new director of sales is very knowledgeable about that, and we might go back on Amazon for that exact purpose, more of a broader appealing garment, different customer acquisition. So that could be down the line in, in the works again. Okay, TBD. And I have to ask, because I am a cheese ball, there's a section on your site, and it maybe says uh, Bachelor contestants that have worn Amanda Uppercher. Are you a a Bachelor fan? (laughs) Maybe. Okay. What's going on there? Are you dressing them? Are they coming to you? How, How does that work? Well, we are reaching out to them, and they are responding and they they're like our you know we gift them clothes and they like them and they're wearing them and so we're just lucky there I guess it's you know I guess my customer likes to watch The Bachelor and my customers are on The Bachelor and The Bachelor's like a big deal in my office (laughs) <laughs> you know, so they're Monday like night. Yes. So is that driving sales? Is that I th- I'm sure that anything? it does. Absolutely, yep. I'm sure that it does. I think that's definitely our kind of girl. I honestly have never watched The Bachelor. I tried to watch it once. I I just couldn't watch it. <laughs> Come but on, I man. I have deep respect for the girls that lo- I love the idea of like all these girls getting together watching The Bachelor. It just sounds like a lot of fun. Got it. What's next on on the agenda? What are you working on now? Well, we're working on resort. Yep. But I'm, you know, we're working on swim. I'm working on, you know, I've been working on handbags for the past year, different kinds of handbags. It's, you know, I'm, I'm just working on it. I, I don't mean, I want to use up, we have an enormous amount of leftover fabric, So I'm trying to figure out how to do some fabric handbags that might be reusing some of this fabric instead of just selling it to some guy down the street for a quarter. So I'm working on that. I'm working on some houseware ideas, aprons. We want to do aprons because we know our girl likes to cook. That's cute. And I don't think anyone's really addressed the apron issue. So i got some apron ideas. (laughs) White space. Chic apron. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, they're always thinking of things and trying it out. Yeah, yeah. that fabric uh, comment or strategy, are you looking at sustainability and looking at ways to, uh, I guess, clean up the process? Well, yes. I mean, again, I think we're kind of clean in a way because we do a lot of stuff in New York. And Definitely. I try not to waste things and just be I don't know, just the nature of the way I run the company. But I I do have a lot of leftover fabric. And a very interesting thing about the virus, back to the virus. (laughs) We've got to go there. A lot of our bigger customers are are short of product. Like they weren't able to get product. Yeah. Uh, And we were, because we have fabric because we make stuff here and we have an inventory of fabric all the time we've been able to help them fill some of their voids by using some of our fabric that might otherwise just sit there you know for who knows how long so i'm all about using up old fabric yeah if we can use it up you know so smart to get that fabric ahead of time yeah move of the day yeah move right. of the year <laughs> right. awesome well thanks so much amanda 
Oh, thank you. Lovely talking to you. It was so fun. That's all for this episode, which was produced by Pierre Bienname. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Don't forget that we're offering Glossy Podcast listeners 20% off an annual Glossy Plus membership, giving you unlimited access to fashion and beauty stories. Use the code podcast at checkout. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.